Welcome to Kick Your Butts, a show where excuses, limits, and boundaries go to die. Where moving through everything that's holding you back is the key to stepping onto your infinite path and achieving the success you deserve in life, business, and relationships. It's time to take those butts and kick them into oblivion. Now, here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode of Kick Your Butts, where we come together to obliterate the boundaries, the excuses, the limiting beliefs that have held you back from stepping into who you really are, what you're meant to do, and all of that infinite potential and possibility that is alive with you and waits for you to grab it. I'm Susan Desenzi, your host. And I am so excited, as I say, every week that I have a guest to have this guest in the house today. But, you know, I even say my own butts and I even say, but this guest is even more unique or special. Look, we're all amazingly unique and individual. And I truly feel an honoring when I have a guest on the show. And I truly feel an honoring and a love for this particular guest and I'll tell you why when I, when I finish introducing her for a couple of reasons. Who I have in the house today is someone who has dealt with some serious, serious shit in her life. And she has been able to find those ways through it, step into it, and then really provide the opportunity for others to heal, to move through those things that have held them back. And who I have in the house today is a woman by the name of Misa Hopkins. And I'll tell you why that piece alone is incredibly special to me. Now, Misa has been a pioneer in the field of feminine consciousness for over 20 years. And she's a five-time, listen to that, five-time best-selling author. She has made multiple television appearances and has spoken at events with such luminaries like Deepak Chopra and Dr. Bruce Lipton, Dr. Larry Dosey, and Ariel Ford. Like crazy amazing, right? Misa's powerful mystical initiations in both feminine and masculine sacred energies inspire her to further personal and planetary healing through balanced consciousness. And boy, if you're listening to this when it airs, you know that we are currently in the middle of COVID-19 and dealing with that level of consciousness from a spiritual and energetic place as well. Now, she does these things through projects like Women Emerging, Reclaiming Our Souls from Sexual Abuse, which is actually a summit that is coming up in just a couple of weeks. And I, and this is not why I have Misa on, Misa is a fascinating and amazing woman, but I'm actually honored to be a speaker within that summit. And we will absolutely give you all the details on how you can join us on that summit at the very end of the show and probably throughout. Misa has dedicated her life to healing and ending sexual abuse as well as the feminine and masculine consciousness. Misa, I am so honored that you're here. Thank you so much. How are you today? Welcome. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be here and I'm talking about my favorite topics. <laughs> you know how we do shift consciousness, especially right now with good old COVID-19 giving us a run for our money. So Susan, I so admire your work and I love this program and I'm delighted to be here. 
Oh, thank you so much. Now, as you all know, and have heard me say many times before, I often meet with my guests. Either I know them fairly well, or I know them in person, or we've met at least a couple of times before. I, I just kind of don't, you know, open up a, the, the digital phone book and just throw a dart somewhere and say, gee, I want to have that guest on without knowing anything about them. And Misa said something that was pretty important in our kind of pre-recording conversation for this episode. And I really thought that that would be a good place to, to kick off the conversation and that was something about how COVID-19 is a bit representative of kind of the empowering and the disempowering nature that we have kind of all had as a human species and as a kind of consciousness. I, I don't want to botch it. So what kind of were you referring to and what does that kind of mean? Yeah, Susan, what's been coming to me as I sit with this at a, at a broader level, at a spiritual level, why this virus right now? Why such a shutdown of everything? And of course, we're doing this conference on ending sexual abuse, right? Healing sexual abuse at the same time. And, and I absolutely believe in paying attention to these confluences of energy and why they're occurring. And what really comes to me is that we as people on this planet have become incredibly tolerant of abuse. Mm. Incredibly tolerant. One out of four women, and in some countries higher, will be and are sexually abused in their lifetime. One out of five men, and those of us that have been working in this arena fully expect it's much higher, but we get fewer incidences of reporting from our men. And domestic violence really, really high across the board. Our prisons are full of people. That should be a big clue, right? The most violent crimes are often committed by men. And what do we do? We put them into prisons where then they can be violent toward each other. Mm -hmm. We really have a weird relationship with abuse. Go on the internet, get on social media for 10 minutes plug in a topic you're interested in, and you will see someone deciding it's okay to blame, it's okay to shame, it's okay to bash. Mm. If we look at the second rate that sexual abuse victims talk about, they'll go to report it to the police, they sit down with their families, and the first questions they get are, what were you wearing? Yes. Did you have something to drink? You would never say that to a neighbor who just got robbed. You right. wouldn't say, well, where was your TV? Was it right next to the front door? Did you have it in the window where they could see it? Did you have your back door locked? You would say, oh my God, I'm so sorry, right? right. But when it comes to our women, being sexually abused, and the vast majority are women, and the vast majority are being abused by men that they know, we turn them into the culprits. Mm. And our tolerance for that abuse, for blaming and shaming and looking for someone to be at fault is incredibly high. The willingness to disempower another in order to feel as though I have power. Yes. Dominating this planet. That is so incredibly true. And so your thought was that in a way from a spiritual and energetic kind of consciousness perspective, we created as a collective consciousness COVID-19 on some level 
to kind of show us how we have been tolerating the abuses of ourselves and of one another and even the self-talk that we go through, right? The language and like, oh, I'm, I, you know what? I'm fat. Or, I, yeah, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I even said that. Or, I mean, those are very self-abusive things that we say because if someone, we, we can turn around and say, if someone ever talked to me like that, I would be like, don't you dare. I would, you know, stand in my power and I would vocalize that I'm not okay with that. And yet we can turn around and do that with other people sometimes. And yet we'll say those kinds of things to ourselves. So it's all the way around. It's what we say to ourselves. It's what we say to one another and it's what we tolerate. And so is it that COVID-19 in a way then is causing all of us to stop in place, to realize how disempowered we've been so we can step into a different place of empowerment than you think? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. COVID-19 isn't created out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's not a curse from God. This is not what's going on. What we experience on this planet is the creation of our own consciousness. Mm -hmm. We see the reflections of our own consciousness. And so COVID-19 is shutting down everything. In a sense, it's disempowering everyone. Uh, at the same time. It's putting us all on the same playing field at the same time. Oh, yeah. So the only way through is through, which mm -hmm. means that if we choose to become individuals that are willing to empower ourselves, if we are individuals who are willing to empower our communities, if we are willing to embrace each other in a journey together, we'll get through it. Mm -hmm. We will. And we'll, we, it will be a better reality. Metaphysically, spiritually, after death, there is always birth. It's just, I mean, look outside. It's springtime in the Northern Hemisphere, right? right? After the death, there is birth. This is part of the way it works on this planet. So something is dying. The question is, what is dying in addition to our beloved people who are leaving? Right. What in consciousness is dying? And what I would suggest is that it is our tendency to disempower ourselves and others. And we are seeing the reflection of that through a virus we call COVID-19. Wow, that's chills. And, and from a human language, thought, logical perspective, I shudder. From a spiritual place of awareness and consciousness and lovingness, I embrace that. Because it, it it's so empowering just in and of itself to say, what is dying? What is it other than, like you said, the people, which we're all hopefully taking and continuing to take the self-protective measures that we need to, to one, not become infected and then absolutely not become a potential carrier and, and spread it to others. Or if we do get sick to prevent that spread as well. This is something that you're talking about it though has been more pervasive for so many I, I don't even know millennia that it's like we've never like a virus stopped to look at it and see how to slow the spread of that virus and i don't mean covid19 i mean exactly what you just said about kind of that disempowering belief system and attitude and behavioral system that says it's okay to tolerate this 
So is this where the consciousness piece, piece as an expert in, 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 you know, feminine consciousness, as an expert in healing sexual abuse, how would you see then the consciousness overall from a healing perspective and from a consciousness perspective? You know, is it that we're healing consciousness? That's an interesting question. I'd never thought about it that way. But in a sense, yes, if we think of consciousness as the field of our joint collective awareness, mm -hmm. right? Now, we can think of different levels of consciousness, too. Right. There are also levels of pure consciousness that are absolute pure love. And there's also a collective consciousness amongst us that we create what our experiences will be on Earth. And without a doubt, we've been experiencing tremendous amounts of friction. What my elders, my ancestors would call friction. And they said, that's when what one person is intending to create conflicts with or rubs up against what another person's intentions are creating. Mm. And we create disharmony or discomfort. Okay. Pain. Yeah. We create pain, right? And the way through that pain, interestingly enough, is feminine perspective. Now, I want to take feminine perspective and really define this, Susan, because we have a lot of misconceptions about what that is. I'm seeing interesting stuff on the internet about how it's goddess worship. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I wanted to ask because I, yeah, yeah. I want, I, yeah, let's, yeah. let's dive into that. Yeah, yeah. It's goddess worship. It's Wicca. It's paganism. It's women thinking they're better than men. It's um, what's another one of the great myths? Oh, it's feminism in another form, right? And, yeah. and spiritualized feminism and on and on and on. Let me be really clear. It is none of those and it is all of those. Mm. How's that for being clear? Yeah. So here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. Those things I just mentioned are ways in which some individuals access feminine consciousness. Okay. But they yeah. are not feminine consciousness in and of themselves. I see. That is a very important and I think unique differentiation that we need to see. And, and especially as you all are listening, kind of rewind this piece and listen again. I'm sure that she'll say it in the same or similar ways throughout the rest of our, our conversation. Heed that that they can be pieces of feminine consciousness, but they are not feminine consciousness itself. All right. So, so yeah, go on. I, I want to hear. So the Chinese defined this thousands of years ago, and they did a good job, in my opinion. And you've seen the symbols. You know what I'm going to talk about. You've seen this. That's the yin and the yang. Yeah. And they said yin energy is receptive. It is dark. It is cool. It is still. It is receptive. It draws in masculine energy, young, hot, fiery, active. It's a blissful kind of, of energy. It expresses. It is outward. It is movement. Mm. And they live in concert together. But here's the deal. If you have too much young energy, guess where things go? You've got all action. You've got all, everybody's talking, nobody's listening. Mm -hmm. You've got everybody achieving and achieving themselves to death. Yes. 
that's young. Guess where we are? Yeah, we're in the young. We're yeah. very young. When we talk about feminine consciousness rising, what we're talking about is the yin aspect. Where is our stillness? Where is our compassion? Where is our willness, willingness, excuse me, to listen to one another and be present to one another? That is yin energy that holds it all. And what I would add to the Chinese definition is what my native ancestors taught me, which is that feminine consciousness is like the womb of creation. When you look up into space, what do you see? A dark night, cool sky. What, what is born in that space? Everything we know here on earth, stars, meteors, planets, earth. Mm. It's one of the creations or expressions, as our physicists are now explaining to us, and quantum physics is exploring, is that we are more space, if we look at ourselves atomically, we are more space than we are vibration, which is light and sound, that creates the construct or perception, would be a better word, of physical reality. We are the light and sound of yang energy. We are the womb or the space of feminine energy. And what is needed to cool down all that heat, all the friction that creates, it's feminine consciousness. Wow. I just want to sit with that for a second. That is so, like, my mind is not blown here because I think, you know, I understand and understood this from very deep levels inherently anyway. To put a language to it, though, that is simple and is easy to understand for a kind of the human thinking mind that wants to, you know, put everything in these nice little neat categories or labels or boxes like feminism, feminine consciousness, you know, whatever it might be, right? It's sitting in this space right now, y'all. I'm just, I'm a little, I'm just sitting, I'm feeling this in my soul, not even my physical body. It's beyond that. And I'm, I'm feeling this expansiveness, this uh, embracing. So how of, of this explanation? I, I, yeah, well, I'm tongue-tied, and I'm not usually. <laughs> you all know that. I could blabble on for a long time. This is one of those moments where I think it's, I think what I'm experiencing right now, and you all can't experience it with me, is I am not thinking. I am allowing myself the expansion of this, of what you just said me. So I'm allowing this expansion in my own form, my own physical beingness, but really it's from my soul. And it's like coming home. I'm like, like, yeah, like I want to say, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, okay. Deep breath. Move on. How do you then? help people when they're working to understand this piece and they are very in their mind or they're very in a yinish or yangish kind of place and whatever labeling or language they've learned to give it how 
do you, in this awareness and understanding that you have in the work that you do, how can someone come to a place of what I just experienced, so to speak, for themselves when they're kind of still in their thinking mind? Oh, that's a great, great question. So one of the things we can do, because when we're in our thinking mind, we are also feeling at the same time, right? We have a thought. So let's mm -hmm. work with COVID for a minute here. We're thinking COVID is taking over here in New Mexico. We're in shutdown through the end of April. A lot of states are doing the same thing and panic starts to set in. Oh my God, I rent I don't have any money set aside. Right. What am I going to do, right? Oh my God, I think my child might have COVID. I know they're asthmatic. Oh my God, what am I going to do? It, panic is in on two levels. One, physically we're threatened. Well, it's all in the physical. A lot of it's in the physical, right? Because my body yeah. may be threatened and also my my finances, my economy, my ability to provide for myself and my family mm -hmm. is threatened, right. right? So we're at hyper stress levels, most of us right now, trying to find our way through this. And the emotional body kicks in and the emotional body says, okay, I'm having trouble breathing. I'm stressed out. I, I thought I was stressed out before. I'm really stressed out now. You and I talked about the increase of domestic violence that we're seeing. Couples are not used to spending so much time together. Yeah. If they were prone to that violence to begin with, it's going to be accelerated. Our kids are at home, used to being out with their little buddies playing, and they can't. There are a lot of factors. We know what they are. Right. High, high stress and anxiety. From a sacred feminine consciousness, you use that energy. Rather than try to get away from it or plan around it or figure out every plan of attack, and making plans is good. I don't want to diminish that. That's good masculine energy. You should make a plan, sure. right? How are we going to take care of ourselves as best you can? And you're going to be clearer minded if your anxiety and your stress levels are down. Right. You will make better decisions. You will make more hopeful and more creative decisions. And that is the domain of feminine consciousness, the stillness. It's when your mind gets quiet, your intuition goes up. Your creativity goes up. Your hopefulness goes up, which is a big piece right now on the oh, planet. Sure. When I meditate, one of the first words is hope planet needs hope. Like, okay. So what I learned to do, what I was taught by my ancestors is what we call holding. And holding is a willingness to go into that womb, to become that space as best you can, to remember that there is an infinite love for you that loves you just as you are right now, even when you're stressed out and you're wobbly and you're tense and it loves you. It's not judging you. Think mother. Think mother. Your kid's all stressed out. You still love your kid, even when they're acting out. Right. You, you might not be happy with them in the moment, but right. you, you, love. Might, yeah, you might not like them in the moment, but you, most parents anyway, most right? Parents, still love, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, you still love your kid. You get there stressed out. You got to figure out a way to help them calm down. And one of the great gifts we can give ourselves is to go into that stillness as best we can and allow ourselves to be aware of the feelings that we're having. The feelings do not have to define us at all. They are passing through. 
right? And this yes. is true in every meditation perspective, every type of meditation I've ever seen is to realize that your thoughts, your feelings do not define you. They are passing through. And so the way that we allow them to pass through is to hold them in love the same way you might hold a child who's all freaked out. Right, yes. The minute that child will let you get your arms around them or hold their hand or talk in a soft voice, take a walk outside together, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Because once the anxiety level goes down, clarity rises. Right. Intuition comes up, creativity comes up. So we hold those feelings. And the goal and the great work in this holding is to allow our sense of love to be so vast, like Mother Ocean, so vast, that that fear becomes a, a grain of sand. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Compared to the love. And it's like, it is and it will be just fine. As you find that space, you begin to see what you need to do. I love that. That's so that's so beautiful. And what I love about podcasts, having conversations with guests, just talking with people every day in our day-to-day -day world, even though right now it's a little bit more challenging maybe, right? Because we're just not out and about and just seeing someone at the store and going, oh, here's a hug and how are you? And let's just chat for a while. Now everybody's kind of like, get in, get out, avoid contact, avoid any kind of close physical proximity and, and those kind of things. Is that, you know, we're able to, all of us, I think, can come from these understandings or awarenesses on these very different levels in our life. And we can see how they do or don't apply or if we have experience with it or not. And, and it's all really kind of pointing to that same thing, which is this consciousness, which is this deeper awareness that we are much more expansive than many of us have ever been taught to believe we are. We've been taught to believe, you know, you're, you're born, you're this baby, you start to grow, you go to school, you graduate, you go to a college or a trade or whatever. You kind of go through this linear process, right? Maybe you get married, maybe you have children, you know, you buy a house, blah, blah, blah. You work on this career thing, you raise your family, you enjoy some life along the way, and then you retire. Your kids are off and married and doing their thing. You retire, you enjoy some more of life, then you die. And I'm not saying it's that way for everybody in the world, because I don't know everybody in the world or every culture. But generally speaking, this has always been the acceptable kind of linear path. And yet we forgot. No one ever really taught us how to be in this space of consciousness, how to, how to sit and be and, and express in this deepest, I won't even say form because that's it's not form, but in this non-form form, right? In this spiritualness, in this consciousness, in this expansiveness. So a couple of things. I'll try not to throw you the questions all at once. What do you do though then when you have someone who is maybe pretty intuitive and trusts they're in that very, you know, yin energy. They're in that very receptive kind of place. They already feel and seem to be in touch with their intuitive nature. And yet they're quote unquote stuck in something that is more young, right? Like 
is this my okay the reason i'm asking is all the people that are like having to pivot now right right with their work they're being furloughed they are in that fear and they work to get into a more yin energy a more feminine energy of reception and creativity yet everything they're coming up with seems to be still somewhat fear-based but they're not seeing that quite right and they're like how am i going to pivot and go from this outside work or job or whatever it was i was doing to now this kind of where we're at with COVID 19. what i'm hearing is it sounds like then they're flipping in between the yin and the yang energies how can they have that depth of yin and get stuck in the yang does that make sense i think so let me let me try the an answer in terms of what i'm understanding okay is that is that right the yang is going if we keep trying to take action without clarity right we're just going to get more and more frustrated right right that, mm -hmm. that's when you go to the store and you hoard yeah instead of buying what you need for the next two weeks or whatever period of time you've determined you want to have right available it's when you lose touch with society and all there is is i'm going to take care of my family i'm going to take care of me and the people i know which and is very youngish you're very saying. young that's that's that masculine okay. protective energy which we need by the way but it won't get us out of this mess mm -hmm. going and getting a gun is not going to do it i'm not saying don't protect yourself and your family what i'm saying is we have to watch those kinds of hyper protective responses that are born out of fear because those fear responses are usually the least responsible responses right they don't take the whole of everyone into concern and that is feminine energy let's go back to that wholeness right okay that space it holds every potential for life every potential the worst the best what has happened will happen could happen it holds it all so when we return when we encourage ourselves to take our fears and just take it into that space think of it as i'm going to take that fear to a cosmic hug okay taking it to the cosmic hug and in that hug the more i open up to the hug the more i open up to the love the more i will relax Mm. the more relaxed you get the clearer you get now you do want your yang energy again so you come out of meditation and now you have a different way of looking at it not out of fear you're responding out of hope you're moving into birth right and you say oh well huh we have enough money to cover for rent our rent, our mortgage, our whatever for X period of time. What are the steps that we could take to protect our home or move into a better living environment? Notice I said better, better living environment for what is next, for what is next for us, because there's a birth coming. How do we get ready for the birth? Mm -hmm. And that's a different question. Does that mean that we need to call a friend of ours who has a, um, a place here in the Southwest? You might have a casita, right? You might have a little house attached to your house, and those often get used for Airbnb. Right now, somebody might be really grateful yeah. to have somebody there full time. And maybe that full time looks like a partial trade because 
they're doing some cultivation of the land and they don't have to have the income from the Airbnb. You start to think differently. Gosh, honey, what if we didn't have the overhead we have now, honey, because I have a husband, that's our conversation. What if we didn't have the overhead that we have now? How would we use our time and resources differently? What kind of space do we really need to have to do the work we feel called to do next? And who can we serve? Who needs our skills and talents in service? And how do we present that in a way that really supports them right now? Oh, I love that. So you're saying that, like, you just what you just described seemed a beautiful blend of moving in and out a more fluidity between the yin and the yang right it's like okay so i'm not coming from this oh my god what's going to happen you're you're getting still you're getting you're becoming receptive you're this open vessel for the creativity and the inspiration and the hopefulness and the trust and all of that. And then you move into the youngish energy of action and plans and kind of the logical. And I'm not, I'm not going to say logical, like the separateness, but it's more of that. It is more of that masculine kind of movement. I need to take this action. I need to put these plans in place. And if I should find that I'm coming from, fear because that's what we're seeing a lot of right and a lot of organizations and companies that never ever would have helped before right you you lost your job you're on your own you were dealt with cancer my goodness you call the mortgage company the bank whomever and you're like ah oh, blah 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 and they're like well sorry you know you got to pay your mortgage payment but now they're like hey don't worry about it now we'll figure it out we're all in this together everybody's going through it we get it they are seeming to move into more of that yin energy because it's more about, okay, we're all in this together. We're all being receptive to what's happening. Let's help. Let's support. Let's uplift however we can because everybody's going through it. It's not just a few. It's just not in a few places. It's everywhere. So how did you get involved? Well, okay. See, God, this, is, this could be three-hour conversation here. I'm sorry. Let me... Let me take a breath because I'm still feeling all that from before. What that it's, it's it's a womb of creation, right? Listen, womb of creation. Well, and if I'm if I may, before you before you grab that next question, can I comment on something you said? Yeah, it's vital. It's vital. What's happening is that we're moving into compassion, yes. and that depth of still, quiet compassion. We're in this together all possibilities, all probabilities. We're willing to start over. We're willing to be reborn together. That is the womb. That is sacred feminine energy. And that is what the love of sacred feminine energy feels like. It is deeply compassionate. Think think about this for a minute in real life. You have a little one. Little ones always teach us so much. They get cut. Mom and dad are there. Who do they usually run to? To mom. Mom. Yeah. It's it's that, oh, mom's going to be compassionate. Dad's right. going to challenge me to climb the next tree. Mom is where I dissolve into tears, right? And I And the first thing you look for when you are in pain is compassion. You can't get to the plan yet. We cannot get to the Band-Aid until right. mom has kissed me. 
Yeah. We can't get to, honey, you shouldn't be climbing a tree quite that high in those shoes until the Band-Aid's on. There's an order to this. And right now, the planet is in the need for compassion. And that is mom, that sacred feminine energy. Okay. So see now, all right. So partly I asked that other question earlier because of what I'm seeing kind of going on around us, you know, and unfolding with COVID-19, as well as the people I have been honored to serve and work with and walk with over, over the years of my professional career and, you know, 55 years of my life. I have always been incredibly compassionate. Like when people describe me, just like, how would you describe Sue? It's like, oh, she's, you know, she's inspirational. There's something inspiring about her. She's like one of the most compassionate, loving people I've met, which is true. I, I mean, this is how I could move through eventually and really step into a place of healing as myself, a six-time sexual assault survivor. How I could truly, if I saw any one of those four men who were responsible for these actions over the course of, of those experiences, I have nothing but love and compassion for them. Ultimate forgiveness. It's like it, it, it was my issue that I took on for a long time, and now it's for the giving. I gave it back. It's not my issue, right? So I'm going to ask this again a little bit, because how can you have that, which I know that's a part of who I am, and then I can get so super stuck in kind of the young energy and that kind of male, the, the masculine plans or actions or thoughts even, and the desperation sometimes, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking COVID-19. How can you have that? Because you just kind of pointed out the singular thing I've talked about in other episodes, but could never really define where I would say things like I'm this you know, human having the spiritual experience, but my deeper belief is that we're spiritual beings having the human experience and no one's ever really taught us how to have the human experience and how my awareness at four of who we were at the core spiritually is what really kind of screwed me up because I didn't know how to integrate. You've just hit on this integrative piece that I've like always felt like I didn't really know how to define or, or put language to. And you've said it so eloquently and so beautifully, and it resonates so much. How can you have that awareness then and sit in that feminine sacred consciousness and yet get stuck in kind of the masculine consciousness that doesn't like that there's no fluidity then? Well, exactly. And, and nor should we expect that there is, quite frankly. And that's oh, because really? we're talking about thousands of years of everything being linear and planned and thought through. Oh, Thousands of years, at least in Western culture. Think about our major religions coming out of Western culture. Right. Very, very little is about going inward for your direct experience of divine consciousness and love. Most of it is, here folks, here are the rules, do these things, take these action steps and you will be saved. You will be well, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And your happiness, plan on it being on the other side. But that's not feminine consciousness. That's masculine consciousness. And if you're trying to get millions of people to behave with greater regard toward each other, it's not a bad plan, you know, but it's a very masculine way to do it. And we've run our organizations that way up until about mm, maybe 
30, 40 years ago, 50 at the most, we started to change the way that we did business. And I was on the cusp of that, where we were integrating way more employee involvement, way more connection with our customers. Everything was run top down. That whole bottom-up concept came just really inside this century. So we are shifting, as we do as humans, when we're in a huge collective, we move slowly. But we are shifting toward an awareness that we also need to bring consciousness into business, consciousness into all of our spiritual practices, consciousness into politics. We've got a ways to go there, but it's it's on the threshold. Hey, maybe COVID-19 is speeding that along a little bit, you know? I mean, look at what Congress did. Look yeah, at what they exactly. raced out when people were truly in need. Yeah. Absolutely. They they forced they forced themselves to work together through their usual politics. The, the politics didn't go away. They just right. moved through it more rapidly. So so to, to piggyback on that point just for a second, because I want this to be super, super clear. Like, let's say that many politicians were sitting in a very young energy. Now that this has happened, you're saying that what they kind of did then was went to a place of compassion and said, everybody is truly in need of help. Let's set aside all this, this, that, and the other, whatever, you know, arguments, partisan lines, whatever we want to label it as. And they just kind of moved into a place of maybe, you know, feminine kind of consciousness, of reception, of compassion, of caringness, and then moved back into a place of masculine energy where they said, let's put forth something. Let's take action and put forth some kind of plan that really can help. Is that like, am I saying this right? Is it you're, kind of you're doing, you're doing pretty good. I mean, they still politic, they still postured. Well, sure. Post and posturing is very masculine energy. Let me prove to you why my way is better than yours, honey. For you sure. know, that's very masculine energy. That's not what women do. One of the women, I've forgotten who was running for president early on said, if you want to see more legislation moving through and more support vote for women. And she actually raises a really good point because women cross party lines more easily than men do and mm -hmm. negotiate and handshake and make decisions. So were they still politicking? Were they still posturing? You bet they were. Sure. But it came way down because otherwise that legislation would never have gotten through at the rapid rate that it did. That takes cooperation. And from my years in business consulting, you find better cooperation in organizations that have more feminine energy. Once you get past all the gossip, that's a whole nother level. That does happen. <laughs> Women get really dysfunctional with that. Right. But when you're in a, a healthy environment, cooperation or that thinking of everyone involved and creating the highest good for everyone involved very similar to the energy of the womb. Very similar, right? It's not yes. trying to, if you're carrying twins, you're not trying to push one of them out, not the other. Right. Yeah. Neither is the twin trying to push one out. That it typically doesn't work that way. They're bonded, they're aware, and they care about each other as much as they care about themselves. And that's yeah. more rooted in feminine consciousness. This is fascinating. I'm loving this is this is oh, I love this. Love this conversation. How did you get involved in, you know, working within this space of 
of feminine consciousness and why did that become something so important to you and a part of you know your your heart and soul's mission and work well as as it often happens we get pushed <laughs> Right, that two by four from the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What you're going to struggle with is where you are going to uh, be called exactly. So, two things. The first, and this is why the sexual assault summit is so important to me. This women emerging, reclaiming our souls from sexual abuse. So, I'd had a condition for seven years undiagnosed. And my body was a mess. I mean, I was in pain emotionally. I was a mess. I tried to get help, couldn't find it. And finally, one day in front of the mirror, I got tears streaming down my face. And it's, I'm like, you are going to heal, woman. I don't know how, but you are going to heal. Well, I went out to the car with a friend of mine who was waiting for me. And she said, are you experiencing this and this and this and this? And I'm, she's reading me like a book. How did you know? That's a hormonal condition, Misa. Yeah, I figured that, but I can't get anybody to diagnose me. Well, back then, we didn't know as much. Mm-hmm. And she sent me to an endocrinologist who finally did a diagnosis. I was producing as much testosterone as a teenage boy. Oh my gosh. My body was literally becoming a boy. Wow. So I had totally just pushed away my femininity. It was like going out the door. Well, fortunately, I had enough sense to say, why did I break faith with my femininity? So I had this marvelous doctor getting me on a hormone therapy to reclaim my body, but I wanted to reclaim my soul. Mm. What the heck was going on here? And I started studying, going into therapy, women's circles, creative kinds of environments where I could express what was going on in me without words, dance, movement, all kinds of stuff, drumming. I've done tons, tons, tons of wonderful things to help me uncover me. And in that process, as I'd done pretty much most of the emotional work that I needed to do, I finally had a vision and was shown that I had been sexually abused as a little girl Mm. at about four or five, six years old. And four is the most common age for incest to begin, one of the most common ages. And like many of us, I repressed the memory. But In my little mind, I decided it was better to be a guy than to be a woman. That was going to be safer. Wow. So at the point, my husband at the time and I were talking about bringing a child into the world, my body started changing. And once I understood that I didn't need to change my body, I just needed to embrace the little girl Mm. who had been so broken then everything began to shift and i claimed my femininity as i claimed my feminine self and as i went deeper into my spiritual work i went on a trip to egypt with about 300 psychics and healers if you can imagine wow you wow huge, yeah i mean every, there were just kundalini experiences and people waking and going into states of enlightenment kind of right and left Uh, And Egypt, as you get to know land on the Mother Earth, there are pockets of the Earth in which humans have devoted their lives to consciousness and Mm. spiritual consciousness. And when you go to those places, they help you open. Well, I had an experience. I didn't know what to call it then. I do now. We at least give it some kind of word or words. 
um, I had an experience of being yin energy or feminine consciousness for 24 hours. I was everything, every potential. I was that. I felt the stillness. I felt the love. I, I could barely walk. I could wow. barely move. Forming a word could take me seconds or a minute to get one word out. It is so incredibly still and rich. And that energy is always present for me. It doesn't mm. go away. Mm. When I came home, I had another experience, only this time I was pure white light for about an hour. These are long a long time if you've ever had experiences of awakening. These are long, long periods of yeah. time. And that masculine light is ecstasy, absolute ecstasy. It overflows in generosity, overflows in generosity when it is in its pure form. And both exist together and dance together. So if we exclude one for the other, as we talked about earlier, right? If yeah. you've got masculine energy in hyperdrive, we're experiencing it. This is what it looks like. Feminine energy in hyperdrive, equally destructive. We become complacent. And there are many of us that do that. We become despondent. We cease to care, right? We become suicidal. We know this energy too on its, in its painful expression, let's put it that right. way. Right. It's most yeah. painful. Yep. That's when you stay at home all day and watch TV and you can't, and you won't do anything, can't do anything, can't imagine it, right? There's a sense of worthlessness or despondency or who cares. They're both extremes of this energy, completely in friction and out of balance with one another. In their true, pure energy forms, when they are working together, life is just as harmonious as we would think it would be. Mm. So what can someone expect when they begin to dive into more of this awareness for themselves, whether they're learning and trying to read, which is a bit of the masculine kind of, you know, energy, of course, but then assimilating and applying and allowing themselves to take time to be still and to go within and not from a place of fear or any of the more destructive energies. How would they know that they're accessing kind of more of that feminine consciousness or how would they and or how would they know when they're just kind of accessing that consciousness period whether it's more yin and yang and it's not coming from the more destructive places yeah that's a great question so when you're kind of between those two energies and they're dancing together things get peaceful they get clear they get happy mm. So you're saying like if someone is like with COVID-19 right now or in, in the upcoming summit, you know, women emerging, reclaiming our souls from sexual abuse as they have stepped into, whether in the past or now will be kind of reminded of some of the layers and the triggers and some of the fearful based pain right? That they experienced and it, it may be brought more to their conscious awareness, their, the, the surface mind's awareness. And they're feeling some of that 
worthlessness or some of that, you know, even a suicidal thought, even if they know it's just a thought and they're really not going to act on it because all of a sudden all this stuff is coming flooding back, even if they've not repressed it, let's say. And this holds true for anything, but especially because the summit's coming up and we are both survivors and thrivers, right? How then do you look at that and how do you know that it's it's a healthier beginning of a balancing of that fluidity between both versus the more destructive, I'm stuck or sitting in this energy too deeply? Do, do, do you understand what I'm asking? Mm, not entirely. Okay. So like I, I've worked through mine as you've worked through yours and many of my listeners may or may not have, right? How do I, if I have had that experience and I felt really super worthless and I felt, you know, but I go in and out of it, right? Sometimes I, I'm, I'm super open and receptive and I'm super creative and I take the action and I'm just moving along in my life. But there's this, there's these pieces that are still there, these layers that I still get very caught in the energy of the very destructive part of the energy of that. But I put as the proverbial phrase would be my big girl or big boy panties up and I go into that masculine energetic place and I forge forward at some point, I'm going to have to really sit with all of this in order to really move through it. Right. And so how do I know that I'm really in a more balanced state between that yin and yang energy versus getting caught in the kind of stuck in that energetic place of it. Does that make more sense now? It does. It does. And the piece is the compassion. When you feel compassion for yourself and compassion for others, which is why those of us who thrive eventually start talking about forgiveness because you can't get that in the early stages because you don't have compassion for yourself yet, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got to start there. And that's where the stillness practices, things like the holding, help you find compassion for yourself. Mm. When yes. you feel that compassion, then your actions in the world change. Then you're going to, going to go to a belly dance class and you're going to start moving your body in ways that kind of scare you, right? Because right. you know it's healing and you need to move through it. And you're going to need that compassion to move through it. And then when you get to the other side and that movement starts to become you, there is a whole level of ecstasy and bliss in Mm. masculine energy that starts to inform you. And we're using words like this is all clear cut. It's not. It's all right, right, right. Right. It's all a little messy. But as we enter into the dance and that willingness to let others help us. And Susan, that's that's why I created this summit because yeah. we don't do it alone and women don't do it alone. We right. do it in circles, right? We, we take a dance class and a creative art class and a meditation class and I've got my therapist and, and, and we build out our circle. Yeah. And that circle of support, we, we do it kind of a little randomly, a little by feel, like, okay, I'm ready for this now. I think I'm ready for some creative writing. And the summit reflects a woman's journey. A woman who's been abused doesn't want to be controlled. She doesn't want somebody telling you, do this step and then this step and then this step and life will be great. We just kind of 
flip the bird and say, I'll do it my way. Thank you. <laughs> right? I'm not saying that that's masculine energy. Yeah, is, it? Well, that's yeah. is it? Yeah. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. But it, it's a way of saying, listen, somebody had control of me once and things turned out like crap. Right. So I don't want somebody having control of me. Thank you very much. My journey is about getting to know me. And so in this summit, it's about touching and tasting and getting to know how different people have moved through abuse or assisted people through trauma and seeing what fits for you and then taking a deeper dive and being with that maybe for the rest of your life or maybe for the time that you need it and yeah. then moving on to something else that uplifts you helps you find that center of both compassion and happiness, that sense of, of bliss as you get to it. And you do. I know that's hard to believe in the beginning, but it does, that you get to have both of these powerful experiences of love and more. Mm, that is so, you know, that's so beautiful because I think there are so many expectations, so many shoulda, woulda, couldas that we live in, right? You know, that we've learned from our family units or caregivers or upbringing or environment around us, doesn't matter where we learned it from, that we adapt and adopt these ideas or beliefs or thoughts about how we're supposed to be or who we're supposed to show up as, as this person who is, you know, a, a therapist or a, an assault survivor or a doctor or whatever labels we want to call it, right? A mom, a dad, a brother, sister, whomever. And I think that we, it's so easy to get caught in those roles and those labels and get caught in the experiences that we begin to lose that sense of our own awareness and our own voice and who we are at the core. And then it's like this chronic, I guess for a lot of people, I'll say struggle in their worldview, right? It's a struggle to move through all of that and find that way to have their voice again. And what you're saying from a place of feminine consciousness, from a place of healing abuse, whether it's tolerating abuse, whether it's self-abuse and the kind of language we use toward ourselves, whether it's actual physical, verbal, emotional, spiritual, psychological, financial abuse, or assault even, doesn't matter if it's physical or sexual or you know emotional or psychological. I mean, there's so many different levels of it that the more important thing is to be aware of kind of the the nature of feminine consciousness and the nature of male consciousness is what uh, masculine consciousness, which is what you're saying, right? And to honor that and allow that awareness. And if you should find that there are areas that you're seeming a little more, I guess we'll say, kind of standing in the camp of or stuck in, how would someone then, like, where would they reach out to if they can't, let's say, reach out to you to work with you directly, how would they reach out or find someone that could help them understand that and help them learn to move through that? Do you mean as an individual looking for your circle, creating your circle? Yeah, creating your circle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, would you just like start calling your girlfriends up and saying, I mean, like, how would that look? What would you do? It's beautiful. Yeah, actually, yes. 
I, I'm feeling like I need something new to help me heal. Is there a book you could recommend? Is there a teacher you can recommend? What therapist have you gone to? You know, were they helpful for you? What approaches did you use? What healing modalities? What creative modalities? Ask. Most every woman or and man has been through some kind of trauma. Right. And if you know that they've been healing, they already have their circle. So ask somebody who's been healing who in their circle they might introduce you to. That's how most of it starts and works, right? The first time I went to a Judith Dirk workshop, and she is a master at holding space for women in women's circles and healing deep trauma, was because a friend of mine knew I'd, I'd opened up to her that I'd been sexually abused. She'd been sexually abused. We love Judith's books. We'd read them and said, she said, would you like to go? She's going to be here in the area. Yeah. I said, yeah. I mean, boom, I stripped decades off my healing, sitting in circle with one weekend for one weekend with her. And that's how it happens for each of us. I think one of the things in feminine consciousness that I found most reassuring, Susan, is that if we think about that womb again, remember, it holds all probabilities, everything. The solutions already exist. I really want people to hear that. The solutions already exist. Yes, it's like you've heard that phrase, you know, like all the answers are within you, they're inside of you. It is. That's exactly what you're talking about, that all solutions, all probabilities, all possibilities already exist. It's already there. And that's true whether we're talking about COVID-19. Yeah. And that's true if we're talking about healing sexual abuse. Yeah, And as we heal it inside of ourselves, when it no longer exists in consciousness because so many women and men have healed, there won't be any sexual abuse because it won't exist in our consciousness. So if you want to end it, the fastest way to end it is to dig in, dig in and invite a sister or a brother to dig in with you. And I think what's been so amazing is that just in the last many years, and I say many because I'm not exactly sure how long. I know what I've seen from a therapeutic perspective as a therapist over the years, but I'm not sure overall, right? Because I'm not out there overall. I've, I was in my small little world with my therapeutic and coaching clients, and that's all I saw. And, you know, even if we do speaking engagements or we're on other summits or we do this, that, or the other, there's still only small snapshots. In your opinion, I want to say the last at least five years, but I want to say somewhere in the five to 10 year range, we've definitely been moving closer and closer to having more open conversations about assault and abuse. Uh, especially of sexual nature, uh, uh, you know, of of sexual types, right? With more freedom, and and it's still not great, but it's better. And with the Me Too movement, which I know the woman who started that was like ten years prior, before it actually kind of went, you know, like through social media land and really kind of took off. And there have been many pioneers in in kind of the realm of being vocal and saying. I'm no longer afraid. And and look at Harvey Weinstein, right? Weinstein, Weinstein, I never know how to say his name. That alone, just in recent times, 
was such a powerful kind of, in my opinion, consciousness of, of us standing up and saying, we are not going to tolerate something that for so long was tolerated in this industry. And everybody stayed quiet, like hell to the no, there is no way. And look what's occurred that I think we're going to see an accelerated kind of place in your experience. Would you say it's more recent that we are being willing to be more vocal and more open? And I don't mean particularly about our own experiences, but like what you're doing with the summit, holding the summit, bringing people together to talk and really deepen the consciousness and the conversation. Do you think that that's more of a recent thing? In, in like, what are your thoughts in the last year or two, in the last five, 10 years? Like, are, are we hitting, I guess, that acceleration place, you think? I hope so. I hope so. I've interviewed some women, Susan, for this summit that there came into their sexual prowess, you might say, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And they said, sure, abuse was taking place then too, but we weren't talking about it. They're saying, no, it was all quiet. This was still locked in the closets, right? Um, they're astounded and pleased by how much we're bringing it out now. I, I know that when I was doing business consulting, I never, not with a single event that I ever went to, did I hear about talking about sexual abuse in the workplace, Sex wow. a little bit about sexual harassment that yeah. was just coming out when I was doing my work in the 80s in businesses. Wow. Now they're talking about actual sexual abuse in the workplace. So there is a progression that's occurring. And thank God for Tarana Burke and you know the work that she's been doing along with a lot of these nonprofit organizations trying to get attention. You want to talk about a pandemic? Think about the numbers here. We're talking about one-fifth to one-fourth to one-third of our population, depending upon the planet and the gender, who have been sexually abused. We've had this pandemic going on for ages. Yeah. And these poor individuals have been struggling to get attention. And it must have been time because Alyssa Milano's tweet about, hey, I've been harassed. I've been abused. You know, me too. And and finding out later that Tarana Burke had coined that very term and brought her in, right? Really helped raise visibility for her. And there were something like 68,000 responses and 22,000 retweets of that single tweet from Alyssa Milano. Wow. So something happened. You know, I want to say I'm excited. I'm grateful that we are stepping into a deeper place of awareness and a deeper place of willingness to no longer hide in the shadows of the things we've experienced. And that holds true for whether or not there was, you know, you've been sexually abused or assaulted, whether there's been, you know, maybe you haven't experienced that, but you're finding now through even this conversation with Misa and I that you've been living more in kind of a masculine consciousness. And part of what may be missing in your life, in your world is a, is a return or a deepening into your feminine consciousness and the sacredness of that, that, you know, I'm grateful 
that you and I are having this conversation, Misa, because I think that with COVID-19, especially with the summit coming up um, in just a couple of weeks, this is a pivotal time. And we as a collective consciousness and global human species are at a precipice place and a crossroads of a path to decide, do we want to continue down the path we've already been on and we will surely be destroyed and destroy ourselves and one another? Or do we want to take this other path, even if it's terribly frightening and we have no idea what that means and the uncertainty and the non-clarity of it? Like you're saying, as you step more into that feminine consciousness, there's more clarity. I just, I just had to add that before we kind of look at final thoughts because I'm just sitting, I am absolutely sitting in more of a place of feminine consciousness energy. And if y'all will notice, this is probably one of the first interviews I've done, well, especially this year, where I may sound a little quiet. I know I've not been super quiet. I'm talking a lot, but I mean quiet as in like I'm just sitting in this energy, right? I don't necessarily have these big profound questions that are like flying out of my thought process because I'm just receiving, right? Maybe we should do a whole show, Misa, where we just like say a few things and then we're silent for a really long time and just receiving, right? You know, of course, my my production team will probably freak out and think there was some... <laughs> there was a problem. problem. <laughs> okay, but anyway, I... You know, thank you, first of all. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you and to learn more about how they can step into their own deepening within their feminine consciousness and step into more of the sanctity and the sacredness of that, how would that look and how would they do that? Oh, thank you for that. Well, first of all, if you've experienced any kind of trauma, if you're like me, you know, there must have been some trauma. You just can't remember what the heck it was. If you are an individual who has a, a daughter, a loved one, a, a wife, a partner who has experienced sexual trauma, any kind of trauma, we have so many incredible guests and they speak to, to trauma in general, come to Women Emerging, Reclaiming Our Souls from Sexual Abuse. I promise you there will be some amazing pieces of insight for you. Many of our presenters have lived through sexual abuse of some form and are there to say, hey, sister, I've been through it. And if you're female identified, come because we want you to have this experience of feeling the circle of support that's there for you. It's absolutely free. It's online, no physical touching. So you're safe. You can use this time that you're sheltering at home. Use it well. That's part of feminine energy. You use the stillness to go deep within so that when the spring comes, you're ready to blossom. You're ready to go. So use this time. It's it's a gift if you allow it to be and deepen into your healing around trauma. And you yes. can do that at womenemergingsummit.org. And that will be all in the show notes. Again, I, I want to be really clear on that. And you will hear me and have heard me mention it before and will continue to mention it. If you are listening to this long past the mid-April 2020, thank you, first of all. That's awesome, and I hope you're gaining great value out of it. Just reach out as Misa will give her contact info, and you'll have my contact info as every episode. 
reach out to us then. And even if the summit has long passed, please, there are reasons why Misa is doing this to create what's called something in evergreen that can be viewed upon just like these podcast episodes, because this life isn't stationary and stagnant. And we continue to move and grow and evolve and will continue to need to do so. So that's women, W-O-M-E-N, emerging. I always want to say summit first. Emerging, E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G, women emerging summit, S-U-M-M-I-T as in Tom, dot org, O-R-G. And again, that'll be in the show notes. I am a presenter. I'm honored to be a presenter. It is amazing. And that was one of the reasons that I was honored and am honored to be a presenter is that this is truly an amazing get-together collective of incredible people who can offer so many things for you and so many different ways to heal and move with and through. So please check that out. And then Misa, if someone wanted to reach out to you directly to work more within the, fa- the, the, the sacred feminine consciousness, how would they do that? That website is sacredfeminineawakening.com. And there you can get a, a download of the holding I've been talking about, that kind of holding practice and meditation. When you go to womenemergingsummit.org, you can also get, you will automatically get that holding meditation. So we get you started right away with the most powerful meditation I've ever experienced in 30 years. Mm. We have literally seen people with lifelong problems dissolve them in a matter of weeks using this meditation and manifest in a matter of weeks or less days using the same meditation. So when I say powerful, I do mean powerful. One woman manifested three job potentials for her husband in one week. So think about that in terms of COVID right now, what you could be doing to help your family. And one woman ended 15 years of chronic genetic depression by doing the meditation for 90 days. Wow. I say powerful. I mean powerful. We want you to have it. So don't hesitate. Go get it for yourself. And we are thrilled to have Susan on this in this event with us. Her story is so powerful. You're going to really get to hear her wisdom come forward because I get to interview her there. Um, You're really going to hear her wisdom about how you move through trauma. She's powerful. She's really powerful. Oh my God. She's joining speakers like Laura Davis, who wrote The Courage to Heal. If you're on a healing path with sexual abuse, you've heard her name. Powerful woman, Larry Dossie, very well known in the consciousness space. I mean, he's right up there with Deepak. Um, Pedram Shojai, powerful man, filmmaker, conscious filmmaker, healer, um, Buddhist monk. He calls himself the urban monk. Um, (laughs) Ariel Ford is with us. Uh, Layla Martin just joined us with uh, Tantra. She's been featured on most of the major networks now. I mean, these are... uh, I have to tell you, I have so fallen in love with every single person. So the interviews, there are standing with you videos. Go get a touch of support from a woman who's been there 
a woman or a man who cares about you. Watch our performance videos. My husband's just finishing up a song right now. We're going to be posting to honor the women who are moving through your healing from sexual abuse. So this is not your average summit, not even close. They were calling it a super summit because you're part of it. You're part of the journey and we know it. And we're thrilled that so many women are choosing to step up and go deeper in their healing and grab, grab the hands of our sisters and brothers to do it. And, and, you know, thank you for all those beautiful and heartfelt kind words, Misa. I mean, the truth is, is that, like you said before, everybody's dealt with trauma on some level. And whether we call it, you know, what I say sometimes, big T trauma or little T trauma, known trauma or hidden trauma, like none of this matters. We're human and we've all experienced traumatic things. And, you know, my cat had to be put down when I was 12 and I didn't get to say goodbye. That was traumatic. Like, you know, I ha- you, you had to move when you were 17 and you missed out on your friend. That can be traumatic. What's going on with COVID-19? My God, the world is under a huge veil of trauma right now because none of us have any certainty of anything. And so please come to the summit because although this is about women emerging and reclaiming their souls from sexual abuse, I happen to know from looking at the, 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 the lineup of speakers, I happen to know from my interview with, with Misa for the summit, I happen to know in conversations with Misa that these people that are coming on, whether we have experienced it or not, we have expertise in these arenas that can help you heal from traumas. And that is the most important piece because you may not have ever experienced a trauma of a sexual kind before, but I guarantee you will gain a lot by coming to the summit. And if you should find that you want to reach out to Misa directly, please do go to sacredfeminineawakening.com. And again, that'll be in the show notes, S-A-C-R-E-D-F-E-M-I-N-I-N-E-A-W-A-K-E-N-I-N-G.com. Grab your free gift, grab this healing meditation, and reach out to Misa directly then. Any final words of wisdom, advice, thoughts, just from this overall place of what we are experiencing in the world today with COVID-19, from a place of healing our abuses and the experiences that we've had that, you know, all those parts that need healing within us and stepping in and awakening even more deeply kind of our feminine consciousness. Hmm, What I'd like to share is what I'm hearing from so many of our presenters. And what I hear repeatedly over and over, and every single presenter has worked through some kind of significant trauma and holds their hand out to help others do the same. And the message I keep hearing is, you came here to thrive. You came here. Your soul came here to have a beautiful, wonderful experience. And your soul has everything in it that it needs to be able to go from surviving to thriving And that gets opened up in you when you reach out for help. It automatically starts opening in you and you will find reservoirs of strength 
and hope you didn't even know existed. And that is true if you're a beginner on the path to healing, but it's also true when you've been on the path a while because that ability to thrive and be in joy is like right there. You can feel it, you can taste it. And these individuals are here to say, mm hmm. Let me show you how you can do it. So it's just such an incredible opportunity right now in your life, this moment, this sheltering in place. Please let me encourage you. Get ready to bloom. Get ready. Come on in. Let's work together. It does not have to be a painful struggle. Honestly, it does not. I did it that route. It didn't need to do it that way. A lot of us figured that out. We're going to show you that it can be gentler, more loving and more compassionate than you ever imagined. And you will be like these flowers coming up in the spring, like this beautiful orchid that's behind me. You're going to be just thriving as you always intended to. Oh my God, what more beautiful words. Like, I don't even want to say anything to end this, right? Just like leave that energy right there. Oh, thank you, Misa, so much. And, you know, that is 100% the reality for us all in form, you know, is that we came in as these beautiful, expansive, infinite beings of love and light and beauty. And I've always likened it to a shining diamond. And through the years, we've clouded up that diamond unknowingly and sometimes knowingly. And we work our way through wanting to find that diamond within again and allow it to shine and I think the difference is that, as Misa is saying, it doesn't have to be this horribly difficult, painful, challenging process to see what's already there. There are much simpler ways through. Thank you so much, Misa, and, and I, for being here. It's been such an honor and a fantastic conversation, and obviously longer than, than the quote-unquote normal but how can I how can I end such a fantastic conversation and be like, oh, we've hit some weird time limit. Okay, time to go now. <laughs> like, I can't do that. I couldn't even do that as a therapist. You think I'm going to do that with my guests? Uh, thank you, though, for being here. Thank you. It's been a delight to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Well, and I want to share with you the reason, and I didn't say this in the beginning, and quite honestly, I forgot because I was just so excited and Misa and I just started talking. One of the reasons that Misa is also special to me is because her last name is Hopkins, and that is my maiden name, is Hopkins. So how could I not like feel aligned with another fellow Hopkins? I don't <laughs> care if it's you know her maiden name or by marriage or she pulled it out of thin air and said, I think I want to call myself that. Like there's just that synergy, right? And I think the idea is that we have these synergistic connections with people. And when we step into a place of that feminine consciousness and that awareness, we're open to receiving and hearing and seeing that and not judging it and looking at it through a critical lens. We just welcome. And so once again, thank you for being here. With that, you all, you know how much I love you. Please continue to live your life from a place of the awareness that you are more than you've ever realized, that there is infinite potential and possibility within you, always has been and always will be, that you are not your experiences, and that you are a beautiful soul who has come on this planet 
with mission and purpose and passion and reason. And there are people waiting for you to show up for them the way Misa and I have showed up today. And so I love you all. Stay safe. Be well. Have an amazingly beautiful, infinitely possible week. And I shall see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to Kick Your Butts, where sitting on your butts is no longer an option, figuratively and literally. To access the show notes and important links from today's episode, please visit kickyourbutts.com. While you're there, please share your Kick Your Butts story by clicking the Start Recording button. It might just be included in a future episode. Thanks for listening today. Now get out there and kick those butts to the curb.